you're listening to the Wise Wife Podcast. So you want a better marriage? Well then buckle up, buttercup. You're in the right place. So a few days ago, I was checking in for a doctor's appointment and I couldn't help but hear the woman beside me. I mean, we were two feet apart checking in as well. And when they asked her for her birthday, she said she was born in 1927. And I, me being me, couldn't like not say something. I I just, for some reason, it just struck me as so incredible that I was standing beside someone who, I don't know, like was in her 20s in the 40s. I just feel like that was so interesting to me. And so I struck up a conversation with her while we were both waiting for our appointments. And it was such a blessing. I think that's the one great thing about when you really do honor older people. There is so much you can learn from them. That's a whole side note. But in talking to this beautiful woman, who I just thought was actually really quite spry for being born in 1927, I found out She got married in 1949. Her husband served in World War II. And I was just fascinated talking to her. But I asked her when she said she had been married for 67 years, what's your secret? And she really didn't have an answer for me. But she said, I just really loved that man. And we were best friends. (laughs) And I kind of in my mind was like, that's not a secret. (laughs) That's the fruit of your secret. Whatever your secret is, that was the fruit that you really loved him and you were best friends. Because I don't believe that that just happens accidentally. If you know my story and you've been listening to this podcast, you know why I think that. So I kept asking questions. And sure enough, she eventually spoke about not getting trapped in a defeated mindset of, oh my goodness, everything is so terrible. And she said, you know, life is full of sections. You think things are how they'll always be, but then it changes and you're suddenly in a new season just like that. And I thought, that is your secret right there. It's that she committed to having a positive outlook on her situation, even if it seemed dismal, knowing that this too shall pass. It made me think about not ever falling for that lie that things are so bad that they're never going to change, which I know a lot of you are struggling with. But the truth is everything is going to change. One way or the other, everything is going to change. How often do you find yourself praying, Lord, take this suffering away from me? I mean, I think it's good to pray this. I prayed this. I have continued to pray this in different areas of my life. And I certainly pray this for my marriage when Tim and I were separated and he had no interest in ever coming back and working on our marriage. But one thing that absolutely transformed my stand to save my marriage and um, my fight for my marriage was when I started to thank God for the trial which seems a little crazy because you're thinking, wait, this is suffering. Why would I thank God for suffering? Well, Paul suffered more than any of us. And yet he said 
he was content with his calamities if it meant that it was for Christ's good. Notice how he said, for Christ's good. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Not his good. He said, if this is good for Christ, then I am content with my calamities. In fact, what he said was, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. I know that a lot of you do not feel very strong right now. So how do we get there? The truth is, the storm shows you what your foundation is made of. I'm going to take us to Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. It is a firm, tested and precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never run away again. When I was fighting for my marriage, I remember reading this scripture, whoever believes need never run away again. And for whatever reason, it just spoke to my heart. I think it's because if you're fighting for your marriage, and especially if you're doing it alone, and you have the world telling you you're crazy, and your spouse is telling you you're crazy, or ignoring you completely, And you just feel this conviction that you're not to give up on your spouse and on your marriage. Even with that conviction, you still feel like you just want to run away. Like you want to just quit. Some days you just want to give up. It's just easier to give up. When I read that scripture, I just, I knew I had to kind of dive into it. So I started looking at all the different translations which if you ever find something speaks to you in the word, I really recommend going and reading the different translations. King James Version, he that believeth shall not make haste. New King James, whoever believes will not act hastily. NIV, the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. He that believeth shall not make haste. To me, That was so encouraging and convicting and challenging all at the same time. Our faith in him brings us stability and steadfast courage. That's what those are saying to me. What it really showed me in my spirit was if I quit, am I quitting hastily? Am I quitting because I broke? You know, like not because I feel a release from the Lord or some other reason. It's just I broke under the pressure. And so that was really convicting for me because I was like, okay, he's saying here, whoever believes shall not make haste. So I need to believe in the foundation stone that 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 scripture is talking about. The reality is. A lot of you are in a desperate situation and I get these messages, right? Here's my X, Y, Z circumstances. Should I still stand for my marriage? 
Well, today I'm giving you the secret to living well despite the fiery circumstances and the pain of your situation. I'm going to take you to Isaiah 24. It's a prophecy on the destruction of Judah for its defilement. And I'm going to read out of the King James Version because I feel like this translation is is much clearer. Hear me out. In the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. In other words, there's nothing left. Okay, verse 14. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. And this is the good one. Verse 15. Wherefore, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. There was really nothing scarier than the sea you know, in those days. And it here is saying, wherefore? So in other words, like because of all these things, so like when all of that is happening, glorify ye the Lord in the fires. When all that destruction is happening, those who are left as a remnant, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord in the isles of the sea, where it's like terrifying. What God is saying to me in this, and what I hope he's saying to you, is that you need to glorify the Lord in the fire. That's praising him in the fire, not prostrating ourselves across the floor, begging for him to take away this pain. There's nothing wrong with that. I have done that. But if that is all you're doing, then you are showing what your foundation is built on. The storm is hitting you and you're not standing. So this isn't about pretending that we're not in pain. This is about knowing the strategies so that the pain doesn't hit you as hard. But if you are not praising God in the fires, then you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be tossed around by your circumstances. And it's like that dear hundred-year-old woman said in that she knew no matter how bad it got, it would pass. Her children died before her. And she just knew this too shall pass. And that positive outlook Whether or not it was rooted in faith, we didn't get a chance to get that far before we were called in for our appointments. But whether or not it was rooted in faith, she was showing a faith principle, which is where we can say, he that believeth shall not make haste because I'm trusting the foundation cornerstone. I'm trusting Jesus. And I'm trusting that his plan for me is good and that he's not just leaving me out here to suffer, that he's not doing this for no reason. Nothing is wasted with him. So if we can then relax and rest in knowing I am not God, he is in control And I can live my life well 
despite the fires. And I can praise him even in the fires. And I go even further and I say, praise him for the fire. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians, I am quite content with my weaknesses. I mean, he asked the Lord to take it away, but the Lord said no. And he says, great, because now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. There are things for you to do and accomplish here and now, not just when your spouse returns or when your marriage is better. There is a calling on your life for this moment. You're not in a holding pattern. You're not in a pause. No one has pressed pause on your life. And the problem is, is that many people who are standing to fight for their marriages, they feel like the Lord has pressed pause on their life and now they're just in this waiting sort of no man's land for God to bring the miracle. And while we should be praying for that miracle and believing for the miracle, what are you doing in the meantime? What are you doing right now? Are you praising him in the fire? Are you looking for ways to be powerfully used or even just to grow, even if you're not used in other people? We're not always, there's a season for everything and we're not always used in other people's lives in the way that we think we will be used. Sometimes it's just growth in you, you know, and it's not being stagnant. It's definitely not just pressing pause on your life. God wants so much more for you than that. This is not some type of punishment, whatever it is that you're in. Whether or not you created your own monster like I did, where I could clearly see that a lot of my marital issues were related to sort of consequences for my own sin and lack of wisdom, regardless of that, it wasn't punishment. You know what I mean? It wasn't punishment. And that's where I think a lot of us, we end up just sort of pressing pause on our life, waiting for God to make this big move. And in the meantime, feel like we're sort of being punished. It's like a purgatory of life. And that's that's really heretical. There's nothing biblical about that mindset. And it's straight from the pit of hell. That's just the way it is. It's It's the enemy of your soul trying to keep you from connection with the Father. This, this beautiful elderly woman that I mentioned earlier, she said that her secret was not get too focused on the here and now, but to always know that things are going to change, which what she was really saying, the power of what she was really saying is that she was not allowing her current circumstances, good or bad, to shape her completely like that they were going to pass one way or the other. And there's a very balanced approach to that. But it also made me think of the Stockdale paradox, which Jim Collins talks about in his book, Good to Great. Okay, so very quickly, backstory. Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking U U.S. military officer in what they called Hanoi Hilton, right? It's a POW camp during the height of the Vietnam War he was tortured over 20 times. He had no release date, no rights. 
it was a dismal situation. And him and the other prisoners created all kinds of crazy little coping mechanisms to get them through a year after year of being in this POW camp. In preparation for interviewing Admiral Stockdale, Jim Collins found himself getting depressed reading Stockdale's story, even though he knows the ending, like he knows that he gets out and he asked him, how did you deal with it when you were really there? And you didn't know the end of the story because I'm depressed just, just like reading your story and I know that there's a good ending. And Admiral Stockdale said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. That to me pretty much sums up my fight for my marriage. It's like, I just didn't lose faith in the end of the story. And in order to do that, I had to find ways to praise God in the midst of my circumstances. I also really love how Admiral Stockdale goes on to say when he was asked who didn't make it out of the camp. And Stockdale says, oh, that's easy. The optimists, the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas and Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter and Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it'll be Christmas again. And then they died of a broken heart. Many of you are up against that same challenge that you will inevitably die of a broken heart if you keep praying for the suffering to end and creating these sort of benchmarks, counting the days, counting the months, counting the years, instead of just praising God for the day you have right now and for the life you have right now, for the good that you have right now. And because you truly believe the end of the story and you hold on to knowing that the end of the story is good and the rest is just part of the script. Jim Collins said, to this day, I carry a mental image of Stockdale admonishing the optimists. We're not getting out by Christmas. Deal with it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm like, I pretty much think I would want to throw a punch someone who said that to me in the midst of my stand for my marriage. If it was just like, deal with it, I, I probably would have wanted to just literally punch them in the face. But I think there's some truth here to this. You know, there's some encouragement if we can take it. It's, you don't know when it's going to happen. And you don't need to know. You don't need to know. Your goal, your challenge, your call is to fight the spiritual battle. And I talked about this in my last podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Using all of our spiritual weapons to fight the real fight and wait on God for the rest. And just like Paul, we can say, this is for Christ's good. So in that case, I'm here for it. The enemy does not want that. Do you understand this is this doesn't take a biblical scholar to understand this that the enemy who hates you and who wants to see your legacy destroyed and your children devastated of course he does not want you to say what Paul said, to feel like Paul felt 
to just be like, okay, I am here for this because it's for Christ's good. Because that is what actually matters. If you are saying that you are a believer and that you believe you are going to spend eternity in heaven and that you want to get to those gates and hear, good job, faithful servant, then what you're going through right now is so minuscule and unimportant. That's the, we're not getting out by Christmas, deal with it. Like that's, that's what that is. It's like, you don't know when it's going to happen. Deal with it. Like just get over it and move on. You have a mission and you need all your mental fortitude to accomplish that mission. If you're wasting your mental fortitude on dreaming up scenarios of when it's going to be, how it could be, just so that those scenarios can not play out you are setting yourself up for a broken heart. And that is what I hear so many standards, people fighting for their marriage, say. They, they, they praying and praying and praying that my husband will come home by, by my birthday or by Christmas or whatever it is. And then that comes and goes. And now what are you left with? Like that is the Stockdale paradox. Instead of what Admiral Stockdale did was, I know the end of the story. I don't know when, but I know I'm getting out of here. And he held on to that. You need to hold on to, I know that God is going to restore my marriage. I don't need to know the rest. And if you can do that, you're going to find it much easier to begin that habit of praising him in the fires. Thanks for tuning in to the Wise Wife Podcast. Go to wisewifeblueprint.com and download your free battle strategy. These are the five things you must do if you want to see breakthrough in your marriage. And remember, it takes two to save a marriage. You and Jesus. Jesus.